Hello, this is AJ Bingham, CEO and founder of Bingham Group. I'm here today with David Culligan, the Acting Assistant Director at the Economic Development Department of the City of Austin. Welcome to the show, David. Hey, thank you for having me. All right, well today we're gonna to be talking about public incentives, particularly three, Chapter 380 agreements. And can you just give us a broad idea of what are, one about your background, and then we can go into the idea and misconceptions of public incentives and um, Chapter 380 agreements. Sure. So my background personally is within economic development. Uh, professionally, have been within economic development for just about 15 years now, starting off in Louisiana, where I had the ability to work locally uh, in the Lafayette area, which is another cultural, innovative, tech kind of hotspot. Uh, and then working regionally uh, within that area, as well as with the state uh, for a variety of different activities. Uh, during my time there, experienced um, the, the aftermath of Katrina Rita, uh, but also some of the more positive impacts around how it is the state was looking to attract and work with different types of industries, uh, whether that be tech or entertainment. Uh, and so a number of different disciplines through economic development uh, kind of came about at that time. And so a large part of my past has been working with the recruitment and uh, addressing business expansion projects. Uh, but here in present day, working in the city of Austin for the past five years, I've been able to apply more of that knowledge looking at how it is we address business expansion projects here within the city, uh, but also how it is we expand our global footprint, how it is that we focus on the success of our local business population, especially through means of workforce development, uh, and variety of other factors in that the, the department is engaged uh, for more holistic economic development. I think one of the, the misconceptions about economic development, especially the department here within the city of Austin, is that we're solely focused on recruiting businesses, and that's not necessarily the case. I think it's probably one-sixteenth of what we do here in, in the department. And real quick, David, on yeah. that, what is your relationship with, um, I know in most cities, the, there's a, you know, the Chamber of Commerce, mm -hmm. that's their main role is to be you know, the, the business recruiter cheerleader for a city in terms of economic development that way. What is your relationship with the chamber, the Greater Austin Chamber of Commerce, yeah. your department's relationship? Sure, the department has a contractual relationship with the Chamber of Commerce that's connected to Opportunity Austin. Mm -hmm. And we've uh, been engaged with the chamber and Opportunity Austin since the inception of that program. Can you explain that, what Opportunity Austin is? Yeah, for sure. Opportunity Austin is the focus for growing economic development and community development efforts here in the Greater Austin region, where we do focus focus on the, the types of industries that we need to expand or bring into the Austin area to keep uh, our area sustainable, vibrant, uh, and economically competitive. But we also look at a variety of other community development initiatives uh, that connect more with workforce development, making sure we've got the pipeline of workforce going into uh, Austin for, for the future or foreseeable future, and also addressing some of the current workforce needs, just as an example. Okay. So getting back to misconceptions. Sure. What, uh, what are some of those? Yeah, misconceptions. Well, you know, more broadly around economic development, I think, and going through this process with the community over the past 18 months, what we initially saw is that the community um, gravitated to recruitment activity and how we were recruiting businesses into the Austin region. 
as our primary goal for economic development, and that's certainly not the case. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we've got a number of activities that, that take place within the department, uh, and a, a majority of them very much focus on small businesses, our creative industries, and even the creative or entrepreneur here within Austin. Uh, so that, that, that was the first misconception that we bumped into, and it was making sure that as we walked through this process with the community, that they better understood how we were looking to interact with businesses on more of a regular basis, not just recruiting something into Austin. Uh, so the next is the misconception around incentives, just kind of appearing as something that uh, is maybe in the gray area and something that's a little mysterious, mm -hmm. uh, something that's maybe cooked up behind the scenes or behind closed doors. And while that might be the case in some geographic areas, uh, other states or cities that kind of have different authorities or privileges, that's definitely not the case here in the city of Austin. We, we pride ourselves on having a transparent process and system. It's a process and um, a program that's been created with lots of community input and outreach. Uh, and, and so we pride ourselves on, on properly stewarding those programs and incentives. And of course, they're all performance-based, which means we, we don't practice clawbacks here with the city of Austin. We actually look for compliance and making sure that the partners that we interact with and that we do form this type of partnership with actually do meet the milestones that are set out in their agreement before they receive any payment from the city of Austin. And of course, all of that monitoring that we do uh, is verified by a third party who yeah. comes in and makes sure that we are going through that process. Uh, and all of those documents are available online through our web portal, which we've received perfect scores for. Uh, and actually, I think we got a few bonus points uh, right. by Good Jobs First, which is a watchdog group for incentive programs across the nation. What are some of the areas? I mean, uh, that you're that the city's measured on in terms of transparency for that program? Like, it's top three metrics for that. Oh man, it's it's all about providing data, um, making sure that the public is aware that we are tracking and actually monitoring these agreements. Uh, our system itself, we've seen adapted um, or adopted by by other jurisdictions. Uh, so I believe the state of Texas is now performance based as well, where they were not in the past. Um, and then it's also just smaller things like showing where more of these projects are taking place uh, and showing your, your process for connecting with them. Taking us back to more of that conversation around our relationship with the chamber, the chamber is that cheerleader. The chamber is out there promoting the region and the chamber is doing a lot of great work on behalf of the city and region. Uh, that the city couldn't necessarily do because of you know our scope and our connection to economic development, but because of who we are. We can't necessarily participate in that type of process. Mm -hmm. uh, so they do work a lot with site selectors. They work with major companies and those groups that are assisting companies through the process of selecting new locations or maybe finding a new location. Uh, and then they connect with the city to be able to look at any any uh, areas that we would like to, to be able to connect with the project. Uh, and then we start to formulate some potential type of incentive based off of what we find within that project. Mm -hmm. We were talking about this before uh, the show, but mm -hmm. you know, there's a common, I think, misconception just having worked with you know, economic development at the local level and the state level, mm -hmm. that there's, there's just corporate giveaway of funds, right? And knowing, you know, looking at the site last night, um, the, uh, the data portal that y'all provide, I mean, the last incentive program the city had was about almost a year ago um, with Merrick, Merrick. 
And it's, you know, before that, it was probably three years before the, last, the most recent one. I think, uh, can you walk us through at a, at a high level, what is the process? So I'm, I'm being a group from out of state and I want to come to Austin. What does that conversation go from, or what is that process from inception of us having that conversation and we're looking to come here to actually having a BM group building on the ground. Yeah. So let's start with, uh, or let's use Merck as an example for that process. Um, you know, we've got a great relationship with the chamber and, and a part of that relationship is on occasion going out of market to connect with companies that um, we've established relationships with, but also those that already have some type of presence here that we want to make sure that we continue to have a strong presence by those companies. And if they do look to expand, uh, that they first look to expand in the places where they currently are, um, helping us to secure more jobs uh, and more of those community benefits in the future through their, their progress here. Uh, so, you know, we initially engaged with Merck on a, a trip where we were out in New York meeting with a number of companies and site selection groups uh, that we have relationships with. Uh, but that relationship itself was cultivated by the chamber many years ago, and it takes a long time for some of those relationships to, to kind of get to the point uh, where some of these site selectors or companies think of your location as a potential place to expand. Uh, typically, they wanted to keep that type of project close to home. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, we were able to explore more opportunities with them, especially around the thought of creating a new IT hub, which they only had three others in the world at the time. Uh, and Austin was on the radar because of uh, a number of factors. And right now, Austin sits uh, on the lot of uh, on the top of a lot of really strong lists for site selectors because we do have a strong workforce. Uh, we are a beautiful location uh, that they feel confident in being able to retain that workforce, and we're a growing market. Um, and there's plenty of other factors. But we were able to, to convince them to come look at Austin, to, to learn more about the resources that were here so they could feel confident uh, in looking or pursuing Austin as a location more in the future. A part of that conversation, although Merck is a major corporation, uh, is around the business units that exist within the companies themselves and, and how it is those business units operate and finance themselves. And, and it's not always this big corporation that uh, is financing some of those smaller units. And so we do have, at times, to look at closing a gap for that type of expansion and job creation. But also, there's the, the gap that occurs uh, in, in being able to connect those types of projects to the community and how we secure more of those community benefits through the project. And that's where we step in to explore um, the connection for this type of entity existing within the city uh, and how our public participation in that project uh, could be leveraged to bring in state participation as well. So we start measuring out the project. We look at more of the tangible benefits. Uh, we, we use a cost-benefit analysis here, which goes a step beyond uh, an actual impact analysis, which is something that's a little fluffier and kind of used for different types of projects in, in different parts of the nation. 
we go a little further beyond and look at how the projects actually impact the city itself and some of our different costs and benefits associated with that project. And then we looked at the softer side of the project and we find how it looks to engage with the community itself and what are the values that we seek to uphold and secure through that project locating here in Austin. Uh, so over a period of time, we negotiate that number based off a variety of terms, uh, which are all council approved, and then we're able to bring that forward to council for consideration. Yeah. So no, no giveaway. No, no, <laughs> it's not no that giveaway. simple. Yeah. And, and, for all I the commenters in this section, it's not a, it's not that easy. Yeah. Yeah. And then you know, you touched on the state, right? I mean, I'm again aware of the ecosystem which which these deals happen. Um, it's you know, it's it's city, county, and state entities that typically will align, um, you know, to get these companies, you know, expanded here or moved here. And I know at the state level, just it's very competitive it's with some of our peer states, I think like California, New York in particular, mm -hmm. and at the city level too. I mean, you touched on that, like how, com I mean, just generally, like how competitive is it? How, you know, some cities I know have huge department, relatively huge departments, you know, looking for businesses, trying to recruit businesses to their city. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very competitive and it, it definitely depends on the type of project that you are looking to secure within your community. Uh, there are a lot of locations that are not experiencing the, the level of prosperity that we have experienced locally over a short term period of time and so they are definitely competing I think a lot more aggressively than, than the city of Austin at this point in time. We also have some strong competitors here within the region. Uh, and that's just due to the fact that they are more focused on how it is they bring a certain type of business uh, or level of sustainability into their economy. And nothing's wrong with that. Nothing's, nothing's bad about being that focused. Uh, but here at the city of Austin, we have a stronger focus for what it is we are trying to bring into the city. We have seen a number of companies that have come here organically, uh, but that's not so organic. I think we've, we've invested a lot in the city itself. We do have some great educational providers and, and we have those connections with them uh, here through the city. So we've invested a lot to have a great ecosystem that is conducive to businesses being here. And typically when it comes time to evaluate an incentive project, the but for is the first question that we have to address. And it's uh, one of the most important questions that council has. They want to understand if, if they were not providing this incentive, what would the city of Austin not be receiving? And how would that impact this potential project? Uh, so we, we center our program on that but for analysis um, and then other cost benefit analysis and value statements and what have you. Okay. Well, let's get back to chapter 380 agreements. Um, what are, just go through what are those and what, you know, just what are those? So chapter 380 itself is a state privilege and state legislation that allows us the ability to create a transaction between public and private entities for economic development. It's, it's that simple. Uh, and it's, it's stated um, kind of vaguely within you know, the Constitution. And so what we are able to do is then um, define economic development. And that's what the past 18 months has been about. Uh, working with the, the community to better understand what are the needs for economic development in present day. 
the last time that we went through this significance of an exercise in defining economic development was back in 2003. Okay. We were in some pretty different economic conditions. There have been some small tweaks and updates uh, over that 15-year period of time, most notably, I'd say, about uh, five years ago. Um, but nothing of this size where we were looking to more or less overhaul um, the Chapter 380 policy. Yeah, and just um, yeah, ha- reviewing the documents, so these, at least they're proposed mm-hmm. by your, your department, it seems pretty drastic in a good way. Um, could you go over that just in terms of I mean, the core essence of moving away from purely looking to recruit businesses to the whole suite of um, other, I guess, uh, verticals, if you will, that this program could be used for. Can you go into that detail? Sure. So one of the things that took place over that 15-year period of time is that we recognized the exchange between the city of Austin and this private partner. Uh, We needed more in that exchange. And so we started adding more regulations that connected to our community values. Here in the city of Austin, you know, at that time, we were looking to make sure that development happened in such a place. And so we were working with the desired development zone. Uh, Over a period of time, we wanted to be sure that we were focused on construction workers having a living wage and construction workers having OSHATIN training uh, and other benefits, such as uh, making sure that the the workers that are going into these um, environments with this potential partner uh, would be providing certain wages as well and certain benefits. And we wanted to extend those benefits to same-sex or domestic partners. And so those were some of the, the regulations that we've put in place that have made uh, themselves as minimum requirements for entering into this program. Over time, what we've noticed is that there's an impact and a cost to some of those regulations. And some of the regulations themselves, we've been told, uh, have narrowed the, the number of participants and the types of participants that have been able to go through this program. And so if we're hearing back from major companies um, you know, that they're having a hard time maintaining some of the regulations and requirements of our program, the, the immediate assumption is this is why we're not seeing any small businesses engage in this program. What we measured out is that you typically had to be 100 or more jobs uh, created through your project to be eligible for this type of program. Otherwise, the the cost for participating in in our Chapter 380 agreements um, wouldn't have yielded a benefit for the company or the benefit may have been too low for Mm -hmm. the company going through that. So in looking at where we are today with the the policy that was created in 2003 and updated over that 15-year period of time, um, we wanted to make sure, or what we heard from the community is that we needed a policy that invited more uh, to the table for conversations. Um, Small businesses felt neglected from this process. Um, We had a variety of different types of programs that were being administered through 380 that weren't being done consistently. Uh, So we had grant programs that did meet with these required regulations, but we had loan programs that didn't necessarily connect with them. And that didn't make sense, provided they were being done under the same state authority. Um, And we also have a need now from looking at uh, commercial affordability, especially for our small and local businesses, our creative sector, and a variety of others. 
And so we heard that strongly from the community and we, we had to start reflecting some of the changes needed in present day in policy to be able to work within that space. Okay, very good. And when do we, you know, Wes, when are these changes supposed to come into effect? Yeah, we were going back to council for a variety of requests on August 9th. Um, so those requests, uh, we have a resolution that's going forward to accept guiding principles uh, and also the Chapter 380 policy. Uh, so the, the guiding principles tell us the themes and, and help to document all of the different messages and tones um, that we heard from the community in walking through this process with them. Uh, so it's, it's the essence of what it is we're looking to do with the Chapter 380 exchanges. Uh, and it really kind of sets the stage for how economic development should be stewarding programs overall uh, in the near term, especially as we're focused on Strategic Direction 2023. Um, you tell us what that is real quick. Sure. Strategic Direction 2023 is the City Council's newly adopted strategic plan with some pretty serious outcomes set for, for more economic inclusion, um, looking at diversity, health, and several different types of lens uh, for outcomes for the organization to be mindful of as okay. we move forward programming. Um, so with that, uh, as a part of the process, because it was kind of happening at the same time that we were going through this policy update, um, we were able to, to, to bring in more of those outcomes through this. Um, so the, the, the resolution looks at the, the guiding principles for economic development and then a policy itself, which is more of an organized document instead of this um, uh, stack of resolutions and ordinances that have existed over a longer period of time. Um, it's a document that helps staff to understand what are the expectations from council in creating programs under Chapter 380, understanding that you have the ability to create grant programs, loan programs, and other programs that help us to accomplish economic development. And that economic development definition is threaded into the guiding principles. Mm -hmm. So with those two items in place, you will then have an ordinance that comes forward for creating the business expansion program, which initially has three different areas that we're looking to focus. The first is turning inwardly and addressing some of our local expansion potential. Uh, so addressing more of those businesses that are here and uh, that have the ability to thrive in Austin and they just need some assistance in doing so. Uh, the next is looking at some of those recruitment projects as well. And then we're also going to be looking at crafting out another program that helps us to provide one-on-one -on -one, uh, transactions for providing work opportunities for those who are economically disadvantaged. Uh, and economically disadvantaged is a much stronger, wider term <clears throat> here in, in the city of Austin today than it was in the past. Uh, we're looking at a variety of different types of people who have barriers to entering and maintaining their place in the workforce. So that's wrapped up in our business expansion program. You'll also find another ordinance <clears throat> that we're looking to pass uh, that's more focused on location-based work uh, and how we can work in more areas for development and redevelopment in the future. Okay, very good. And so I have two questions and then I'm gonna give you, give you the final word. First is just for the average citizen, you know, I'm work my company's here every day, you know, the ins and outs of City Hall, but for the average citizen who 
wants to know more about, about how the city does economic development and you know how do they how what's the best way to approach your department yeah, the best way to approach our department, I think first you can find information through the website. It's definitely going to depend on what type of uh, audience member you are. If you're a creative, uh, you'll probably access economic development through our cultural arts division. Uh, if you're a small business, you're probably aware of some of the different services provided through the small business program. If you're a major enterprise kind of shopping around for a location, you might be scouting out our team in global business expansion. So it definitely depends on, on who it is or how it is you're looking to to engage uh, with the city, but if you are a business or if you're experiencing any setbacks, uh, whether you're a developer or a business um, or a creative or an entrepreneur, I think give us a call at the Economic Development Line, uh, which can be found online as well, uh, and we'll route that call. We, you know, by the very nature of what we do, we, we are connectors, and so we look to to. to take down some of those barriers or walls that exist for you and your project here in the Austin area uh, by connecting you to the, the right people who can assist you along the way. Okay. Then second question is about Amazon HQ2. <laughs> Any updates on that? I've been hearing or a lot of folks have been asking me about it. Uh, where we, could you share anything with us on that? I have no updates at this time. Um, I've, I've been very focused on this activity, and so I, I, at this point, I, I couldn't provide an update. I All right. apologize. All right. Well, I'll give you the, give you the last word. Uh, last word, you know, I think we're really excited here in economic development for how it is we can participate locally, uh, how it is we can assist the organization with crafting out some of the different types of resources that we need, uh, especially as, as an area where we're looking to be innovative um, to connect with some of the issues that we're finding here uh, at home. Because we are a rapidly growing location, we're seeing a lot of these affordability issues not just affect us at home, but also within the workplace. Uh, duly, we also have got transportation problems and, and a variety of other issues that crop up in different parts of the city. And economic development uh, is, is helping to set the table so we can negotiate more with private partners. Um, and I have to say, those that are socially conscious, um, that will look at our needs as a city and how they can connect with us to, to bring those values into the city. So we're really excited to see the development and, and the movement in this economic development policy. We hope that we're able to, to turn around more of the deliverables that we're stating uh, in the process of crafting out more of these programs. But more will be coming online in the future for economic development as we look at potentially framing up an economic development entity outside of the city, which has been a conversation we've had for quite some time, but also with how we're working with city assets, how we're working with Travis County, and how we're working with the local school districts to be able to better understand more of the smaller, more local economies that exist within our area and how it is we can better connect our services in each of those locations. Um, my last message would be around participation. It, we've, we've had a strong amount of interaction with the community through this process, and we hope that that doesn't stop. We'd like to continue to hear more from the, the business space. Um, and while our chambers of commerce 
and our business associations have, in, have been incredibly helpful in articulating a lot of the needs and the voices of the community. Um, we certainly need to see more businesses coming forward and letting us know what are some of their immediate issues and needs to maintain presence here and potentially grow within the Austin market. And we've got to have those interactions one-on-one. Um, it, it's great to have an intermediary like a chamber, um, but it's also really great to see and put a face to those businesses. And I know that our council members really appreciate that as well. So to the degree that businesses can step in um, and entrepreneurs can, can come by City Hall and creatives can come and be a part of the process, uh, I don't know another city that appreciates that level of participation quite like Austin does. And our city council members are going to be taking up some strong elements to assist business in the future. Um, and so being here to participate in that process and to show your support or to at least have your opinions known through that process is always uh, appreciated by our leadership. All right. Well, David, thank you for being on the show and hope to have you on some other time in the future. Yeah, thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com backslash podcast and on iTunes and Google Play at The BG Podcast. Thank you for listening and have a great day.